in our Sunday evening studies, our them is on the church. And the title of the message today is Really God Church? And you may relate to that. Many people say, why church? There are too many problems in churches. There's too many hypocrites. I can listen to messages at home. Have you seen the weird people in church? The gospel light. Steve Gibson shared this truth with me. The gospel light attracts many a strange bug. Exhibit A, right here, okay? I've heard people say, church, they're always asking for money. And that is one thing that I rejoice that in the 36 years that we've been here, the only thing we've asked for money for is missions. And um, that is a testimony to God's goodness and God's faithfulness and your obedience to God. Others say "Ah, people aren't friendly. I'm getting... Signals like I'm at the airport, a pilot flying things in back there. It's a green light here, okay? Don't talk to me about airports either, right? You know, I, I, I still have some issues with that, all right? Um, but that doesn't mean because I've had issues with airlines that I'll never fly again. In fact, I... Scheduled the flight for October to visit my ailing brother in Alabama. So, I've had issues with airlines, but I'm going to fly again. There are people I've met that have said, I've had issues with church and I'm done with church. There's too many counterfeits. I want to ask them, do you not use money anymore because there's a lot of counterfeit $20 bills and $100 bills out there? And, and there are many, many issues and problems with church. <clears throat> and you might say, why church? Let me tell you, there are many times I say, why church, God? I don't know if this was a great idea. I mean, why church, God? People are so rebellious, they're uncommitted, they're complainers and disobedient, glory hounds, they want the glory, they're selfish, they're quitters, they're backstabbers, they're unwilling to change and grow, and there's nothing you can do about it. So, what do we got here, God? How's that fit? 
You know, um, as a pastor, I seek to proclaim the truth and live the truth, and by no stretch of the imagination do I even think I come close to faultlessly living the truth. Um, and yet it's, it's amazing. Many times it's not the message that is attacked. It's the messenger, often because they don't like the message. Just this last week, I was made aware of someone that really has some long ago bitterness still in their heart and soul toward me that I thought we were pretty good. But I go back and think about, and the issue was um, presenting some truth that they really didn't want to hear at the time, and God knows my heart. I, I sought to do it in grace and compassion, and and yet, I mean... <laughs> It, it's kind of a joke, kind of a joke. Marilyn and I will walk into High V, and if there's a certain person there, she will not. Well, I narrowed it down, didn't I? Huh? <laughs> she will not look at us. She will not say hi, even when she's working at the courtesy counter. You know, and. This is just the way I am. I'm, I'll say hi, okay? Don't tell me I'm doing it in the flesh, all right? But, um, and, and we have no, no clue. And that's just, so you think you say why, church? I say, why did you design church, God? And then I see, man, this is, this is what I see you design, God, but whew, boy, this is, this is where we are. This is where I am, and God, this isn't, this isn't working the way you designed. And so, honestly, we were, these lessons, we wanted to wrap them up before family camp. And so I, my original plan was we'll put these two together one week and we'll do this one and we'll just skip the lesson number 10. People can do it on their own because I've talked about church enough. And, and then God just changed it all and we put lessons together and here we are. He says, no, I don't want you skipping number 10. So here we are today. And you might say, we're here today, Pastor. And, and I appreciate that. And I know what, I don't know. I have an idea what God really desires a church to be. And, and that's my goal. And I believe, beginning with me and all of us, there are many, many things that we can do to 
to take steps toward that. But many times we have a, a strange idea of what church is. Church is not showing up once a week and attending a service and going your own way. Church is not attending every service and just going your own way. Church is not attending the services we like and avoiding the services we don't like. Church is not a place to showcase our spirituality. That we show up and say, look at me. We're holier than those pagans out there today that are jet skiing or laying in bed or whatever they're doing. It, that's not the purpose of church. It's, it's not just a place to hear a message. You can hear messages anywhere and you can hear messages of of far greater voices than than mine. So we we come back and we ask, what did God design the church to be? What is God's design for a church? Well, first of all, he said it was his idea. God said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. First of all, it's designed for identification. As a follower of Jesus Christ, having trusted Christ for the forgiveness of sin, I am, by the work of the Spirit of God, committed to Christ-likeness, and it means... I desire to be with other people that desire the same thing. Birds of a feather flock together. But spiritually, God says that He designed church, and this is a way that we identify, and the way we publicly identify is through following the Lord in the waters of baptism. What baptism says is, I have trusted Christ for the forgiveness of my sin. I am trusting His death, going under the water, and His resurrection for the forgiveness of my sin. It is a public testimony to the other believers in the church that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. It is an ordinance. Baptism is an ordinance of the church. That's why if you ask me to come baptize you privately in your swimming pool or farm pond, I'll say no. I'm not going to do it. It's it's for the church. It's to say, I'm putting on the uniform. I've already put on the uniform of Christ. I am letting people know I am a follower of Christ. And I am letting the church know that. That I am one of you and I am on the team. It's to identify. 
It's to identify as a believer, identifying with the local churches, saying, I want you to know I am committed to the Bible as my only rule for authority and practice. That is the distinctive doctrine that we have is that the Bible is our only rule for authority and practice, and I am committed to that as a as I identify with this church, and that's why we must test everything against Scripture. So God designed the church in the midst of a world that has many different worldviews as identification that comes and says, I am, I am coming together with you because I am a follower of Jesus Christ and I am committed to making the Bible my rule for authority and practice. So beginningly, it's for identification. Now the word that's used in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church, is the word ecclesia. And when Jesus used that word to the hearers there, that word meant those that are called out for a specific purpose. And in most cases, it was a term the government used to call people out from whatever they were doing to come and vote. It was mandatory, duty required it, and and when an ecclesia, when they were called out, if they didn't come, it was punishable by arrest or fines. This is the secular term. When Jesus said, I am, I am going to build my called out assembly, that's what they had in mind. A specific purpose, called out for a specific purpose with authority to assemble together for a specific purpose. That's why in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25, he said, I do not want you to forsake the assembling of yourselves together as some people have forsaken, but I want you to do it so much the more as you see the day approaching. He's saying it is to be called out. Turn to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. I, I just mentioned the verse from Hebrews chapter 10. But notice Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 7. We rejoice in the truths of Hebrews, of Scripture, Hebrews 13, let brotherly love love continue, verse 1, Um, verse 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you, verse 6, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear what man can do to me. Then verse 7, remember those who rule over you who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Skip down to verse 17. Obey those who rule over you 
and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. So, God designed a church for obedience and accountability. It's a called out assembly, and we are not to forsake our assembling. And he says, it is for the purpose of being called out, and God has raised up those that are to watch for your souls as those that must give an account of themselves to God. I grew up in a pastor's home. That's why I didn't want to be a pastor. Okay? I didn't want that responsibility. And so I was going my own way, and that's a whole other story that you've heard before, so I'm not going to say it again. But at any rate, there is, there is a grave responsibility that is on my soul that I am going to give an account to God for what I have given and lived here. And, and that's what he says in verse 17. But he also gives a responsibility, and, and God knows my heart, and you can look and, and see. I have no desire at all to rule over or be a dictator, but at the same time there is a responsibility that I have to speak the truth, to live the truth, and to call us to live the truth. So, a church is for obedience to commands of Scripture and to build accountability, to help each other in this. And honestly, that's why many people don't want to be a part of a church. It's just because of rebellion. I don't need anybody telling me what to do, and I don't need anyone holding me accountable And my Christian life is between me and God. If that's the attitude, you are a disobedient Christian. Because this is what God said. And God knows my heart here today. I am not speaking this targeting anyone. I am not speaking this to get more noses in the pews. That's not my goal My goal is that we'd be the type of church God wants us to be. And I I just know we need God's grace for that. But His design, obedience and accountability. But He has a purpose for the church. And, And I don't have the time to go in, but the purpose of the church is much, much more than the preaching. It's the ministry one to another. It's serving one another. And I'll just quickly mention terms that God uses for the church. He calls it a temple. And as individuals, we are stones in the temple. And he he talks about, I don't have time to go into that. Well, if I'm a stone that's been designed by God to be a part of the temple of God, so to speak, the analogy that he uses, 
If I take my stone and put it out here in the back 40, and it's just me and God and my stone, I'm defeating the purpose. The purpose is ministry to others, to be a part. A temple is for worshiping. And I wish I could go in. We've gone into it but in much more detail, but we can't. He also says we are a body to belong to a living, functioning, serving, witnessing community that works together as a body, as our human body. And he says, you have many members in your body, but all have different responsibilities. If your whole body was an eye, he says in Corinthians, where would your hearing be? Wouldn't that be something? See a big eyeball rolling into church this morning? He says there are many different parts in the body. The church is a body. And he says it is to function, to serve, to minister. He likens it unto a family. Belonging to a community bound together by common fatherhood. That We mentioned this Wednesday night, I think it was in our men's prayer, that we, are, we all have different interests, education, backgrounds, everything's different. But the one thing that put us men in the fellowship hall on Wednesday night to pray is Jesus Christ. He is the Father. He is the common bond. And from all our different backgrounds and all our different experiences, it is Jesus Christ that brought us together as the family of God. And then he says the church is the bride of Christ, that we are to be, he says, preparing for union with the one, Jesus Christ, who pursues us, who delights in us, We sang, those he saves are his delight. Who delights in us, who desires us, and as the Jewish wedding analogy, in a time we don't know when, he is coming for us to take us home to be with him, and the church is the bride of Christ. All of those involve serving others. As a temple, as a body, as a family, as a bride, it all involves serving others. Fourthly, a church, God designed it to bring maturity. Functioning as a body gives opportunities to use gifts and abilities, opportunities to grow, opportunities to learn genuine love, Opportunities to die to self and to serve others. I forget who said it, but they said something along this line. Proof that you are a believer is that you are committed to loving the body and the members of the body, not just for a few weeks, not just for a few months, but year after year after year. He said, by this you will know 
they will know that you are followers of me by the love you have one to another. And, and you want to really prove you're a believer? You get in and you commit, you know what? No matter what happens, I'm committed to loving the other members of this body. If we don't love those that we see, how can we love God that we can't see? And admittedly, in dealing with people, there come up sticky situations and and hard things are called upon of us to genuinely love, but that's God using it to file off the rough edges and chip away to make us like Christ. That's His purpose. To help bring maturity in Christ-likeness. And then, in Ephesians chapter 3, He says the purpose of the church, His desire is that there would be glory in the church. He said, Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. That there would be glory in the church. I started out saying that many people say there isn't glory in the church. And many pastors say there isn't glory in the church. And, and it's easy then for, throw, for us to throw the baby out with the bathwater. But God desired the church to, to manifest and someone has said, use the analogy of making music that would be such that the world takes note and says, whoa, they must be Christians by the way they fight? No. By the way their churches split? No. By the way they have nothing to do with each other other than walking in and out of the same building once a week? No. By the way that they love each other. So, we need to ask ourselves, what kind of music does our church make? Now, Kathy Harvey plays cello in the Des Moines Community Orchestra, right? Okay. So, can you show up whenever you want at, at orchestra? Okay. That's kind of like church. Everybody sets in a certain place. That, that's kind of like church. So, um, if you want to go to practice, you'll go. But if you want to miss three or four in a row, that's okay. And you can just show up for the concert. Okay. Okay. The purpose of an orchestra is to make music that is pleasant to the ears. If you don't show up, 
it's not going to be music that's pleasant to the ears. First of all, you have to be individually the very best you can be. So, you probably practice your cello at home, right? Okay, so I am, she is practicing her cello. I want to be the very best that I can contribute to this orchestra. And it's a commitment to the orchestra. I want to be a member of the Des Moines Community Orchestra, and I'll be here. It is submitting to the conductor. I mean, he's up there waving his thing, beating on the stand. You can't just go do whatever you want. So Kathy says, he says, stop. And Kathy says, I like this song. I'm going to keep playing. He'd be beat. Mrs. Harvey, Mrs. Harvey. So it's submitting to the conductor. It's playing your part. There are parts written for cellos and flutes and oboes and trumpets and all the instruments. And I'm tired of playing the cello part. Give me that trombone. They're in the back of me. No, you play the part that is written for you. And you show up regularly. And the point is that you're playing for something bigger than you. The point of the orchestra is not about the cellos, not about the trumpets, Although they tend to think that is about them. I can say that as a Trump, former trumpet player. It's not about the drum section. Boom, 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 boom. I mean, I love that section too. It's not about the flutes. It's not about the oboes. It's about something bigger and it all comes together. And it's not even about the conductor. Because when the conductor's done... And the crowd goes, yay! What does he do? He bows, and then he goes like this. It's all about them. And Mrs. Harvey doesn't stand up and say, yeah, it's about me. It's about something bigger than us. And that's what God does. And then it makes music that, wow, that was good. You've all been to elementary or junior high band concerts. And can we be honest? You love their commitment. You love that they're growing and learning. But it isn't always pleasant to the ear. And God bless elementary band teachers. I mean... They, they have to have the end in mind continually because I can remember as an elementary kid sitting in with a trumpet and, the, you know, sometimes the instructor, you'd catch his eyes like, I don't think Dennis is ever going to get it. And I never really did. But it too often in churches, our music is is not 
such that people say, wow, that was the New York Philharmonic Orchestra. Did you hear that church split and that person's fighting with that and they all claim to go to the same church and and they acted like they didn't even know someone there and I thought they went to the same church. Maybe they don't. And what kind of music are we making? And it's not about Grace Baptist Church. It's a reflection on our God. That there would be glory to God in the church. So it means a number of things. We're called to be loyal to Christ and loyal to each other. But we don't think that way. We don't think, I probably should go to church tonight because there might be somebody there that needs me. Well, I don't have anything to contribute. What what if your big toe... I'm not calling you a big toe. I just. What if your big toe said, my body doesn't need me today and didn't show up? And what if your elbow said, it doesn't need me today, I'm not going to show up? We don't think there might be somebody there today that I need to pray for. There might be somebody there that I could sit with and, and sing praise to God. There might be somebody there that I could encourage. There might be somebody there that God will use to say something to me, to strengthen me. There might be somebody there that's having burdens and trials, and they will share with me so that I can help bear their burden. We don't think that way. We think, what can I get out of it? Feed me. Don't raise your hands. How many of you this morning prayed, God, would you use me today as I go to church? Show me anybody I can encourage. Show me anybody I can help. Show me. I mean, I appreciate and I want your prayers for me. But it's more than just praying, God, help pastor to give a good message today. And. Message, a good message is in the eye of the beholder. I mean, and honestly, I'm not real concerned whether you think it's a good message or not. I'm concerned what he thinks about it. Not saying I don't care what you think. I'm not saying that. But let me just quickly, whoa, quickly, quickly make Application. Number one, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Number two, have you identified publicly with him through baptism? Have you committed to the body? I, I am going to be a member of the body. I am going to show up for practice. I'm going to show up for scrimmages. I'm going to show up. I mean, you can't believe it. Cole Piercebaker had... A regional game a few years ago, and starters on the team just didn't show up. We're going camping. That's a, that sounds like church. I didn't think it happened in sports. But are you committed to it? 
Are you actively giving yourself for service of others to the benefit of all? Not just my select little clique, my select little group. Do you delight in your relationship with God? Do you act like a bride getting ready for the love of her life? Congratulations are in order to Montana. She's engaged November 11th. She's getting married. I mean, the same day, isn't it? The same day that she got engaged, she said, Mom, we got to go find a wedding dress. That's good. That's not bad. She's busy getting ready. She's excited. We are the bride of Christ. Are we purifying ourselves? Are we committed to His purpose? And, and then, how does your life show the glory and greatness of God? Wow! You, you are responding to them when, when they've been mean to you. You're responding to them in love. Woo! That, that shows something that isn't natural. That shows the glory of God. That shows the power of God. And that's, then God says, oh, I like that music. I like that. See, I really believe we have a, a false idea of what God really designed in a church. And, and we say the church prospers in persecution. Why? They really realize, I need you, and, and I'll help you, and there's a commitment and a oneness, and, and it's all about the glory of God. See, there are no Lone Ranger Christians to God. There are, but there, that isn't his design. You cannot be an obedient Christian without being actively involved in a local church. You cannot. You cannot say, yep, I'm doing all those things and just living your life to yourself. Cannot do it. And you notice he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He didn't say, I'll build your career. He didn't say, I'll build your family. The church is is eternal. Our families aren't. He didn't say, I'll build Grace Baptist Church. He said, he'll build his church. We are a part of that. And it, it does mean a local called out assembly. I mean, you want to invest in something that lasts forever? Invest in God's church. Nothing else is going to last. Nothing else. And everything you invest for that will last. That's why it says, don't lay up for your treasures on earth. Lay up for your treasures in heaven. Invest in that which is eternal. And you'll never regret it. Heavenly Father, I pray that the heart of you truly would be conveyed and I pray that you would move us to be the type of church you want us to be. Lord, 
I pray that in my own life. I pray that in each and every one of us. You know the the next step that you want each of us to take. And so I ask that you would find in us hearts willing to obey your Spirit. And Lord, I know you will be glorified. And I pray through this church body that, that there would be music that glorifies you. That there would be acts of love that glorify you. That there would be humility of spirit that glorifies you. And, and that truly people would know we are indeed followers of you by the lives that we live and how we minister to others. We plead your mercies in Jesus' name. Amen.